This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. Today, we have a great show for you with two wonderful women I've admired for many years. First up is country singer, CCMA award winner, Victoria Banks. Later on in the show, founder and education director of Body Harmonics, Pilates and Movement Studio is Margot McKinnon, an incredible person who helps people transform their lives through movement. But first, I'm so happy to introduce you to Victoria Banks. Victoria Banks has been nominated for 11 Canadian Country Music Association CCMA Awards and was named CCMA Female Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year in 2010. She has been labeled one of the best songwriters in the business by Nashville's Music Row magazine. In addition to releasing three albums and touring with artists from Reba to Winona, Banks, who hails from Muskoka, Ontario, has written ASCAP, SOCAN, CCMA, and Covenant Award-winning songs for more than 50 artists. Her cuts include Jessica Simpson's Billboard record-breaking single, Come On Over, Sarah Evans' solo-written hit, Saints and Angels, and one of the most impactful singles of 2020, and that's Mickey Guyton's What Are You Gonna Tell Her? She has had songs in film and television, including the breakthrough Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, wow, Nashville, and was recently featured on an episode of NBC's Songland. She performed alongside the Nashville Ballet as part of their Attitude program. And recently, she became a podcast host with the launch of The Table, which I love. Victoria's self-produced, self-penned debut record, When You Can Fly, made her 2009's most nominated female artist in Canadian country music. And to support the critically acclaimed album, Victoria toured with superstars Reba McIntyre, Randy Travis, and Johnny Reed. Victoria's music is unique, a breath of fresh air that has earned her a place in one of, as one of the most respected singer-songwriters in the Canadian music industry. Victoria's latest album is uncovered, and we're going to be hearing a track from this album later on in the show. Welcome, Victoria, to Finding Your Bliss. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Judy. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Victoria, we met many years ago in Toronto at the wonderful Hughes Room for the coolest singer-songwriter evening called Tin Pan North. I remember it was May 26th, and there were four songwriters, four stools, four standing microphones, and you started to sing Saints and Angels. And my husband and I and our friends were just blown away, and we all bought the album and spoke with you after the show. It's really a thrill to have you here. So I want to ask if you remember that evening and can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for that beautiful song, Saints and Angels? Oh, I absolutely remember that day. That was It was really special to have a chance to play in Toronto and uh, Hughes Room is a great venue. So I, I loved that. And Tin Pan North, the Songwriters Festival. Um, yeah, gosh, that takes me back thinking about that. <laughs> so when I wrote Saints and Angels, that was my very first song that I ever had recorded by someone. And it was also my very first hit, which 
is kind of rare. I got, I struck gold. I got very lucky the first, the first time around, but um, it was uh, a, it was a title that I had been carrying around with me for a long time. I have a, what I call a hook book where I keep lots of title ideas and phrases and little bits of, you know, lyric and I'll carry that around with me. And just when something pops into my head that seems interesting, and I thought it was an interesting sounding phrase, saints and angels, but I had absolutely no idea what it meant or what to say about it. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, I was falling in love. And I opened up my hookbook and I looked at that phrase and it jumped out off the page at me for the first time. And I just kind of knew what I wanted to say with it. And the song came through really quickly at the time I was living in a little, a little apartment on uh, the West side of Nashville. And I remember I was sitting, sitting cross-legged on the floor with my guitar and Mm. I just wrote the song in probably 15 minutes to half an hour Mm. so fast. And that's really unusual. It doesn't usually happen that fast. So um, yeah, it just popped right out. And yeah, I love that. And I'll, and I know that the, the song was made famous by Sarah Evans, but I'll never forget your incredible rendition. And I have it on my, uh, it's in, in my phone. I listen to it all the time. And um, we're going to play a little clip from Saints and Angels right now. Let's have a listen. We're only human, baby. We walk on broken ground. We lose our way. We come unwound. We turn circles baby we're never satisfied we fall from grace forget we can fly but through all the tears that we cry we'll survive cause when we're torn apart shattered and scarred love has the grace to say Oh, that song is so beautiful. I love it every time I hear it. And I can't believe I'm actually talking to you about it. It's the coolest. (laughs) What happened? Did you know as you were writing it and it only took 15 minutes to write and it started to evolve that this was going to be something pretty special? No, you know, it's very rare to kind of have that sort of foresight with a song every song as you're writing it kind of feels like something special so um I just you know it was just another song for me that was came out of my heart but uh moving forward with it was really funny because it was at the beginning of my publishing deal when I was writing songs for a living for a publisher here in Nashville Tennessee and my publisher was the the company was very split on their reaction to the song and a couple of them did not like the song at all they thought it was too sort of heady and uber intelligent maybe and and then there were a couple people that really loved it and fought for it and I got a chance because of them to demo the song and record it with a band and then they pitched it to Sarah Evans and she ended up recording it and it became my first hit so you just never know you know everybody's got their own opinions about music and art and anything creative and they're not always going to (laughs) agree 
Wow. Well, I, I, I think it was, uh, for, for me, a no-brainer, that song. I just absolutely love it. It wasn't until adolescence, Victoria, that you discovered rock and roll in a high school band. And with an inextinguishable passion for music and songwriting, not quelled by your zoology degree that you acquired from the University of Toronto, you really became hooked. What happened during that period to make you so driven to become a singer-songwriter? I think it was my attempt to do something different that made me realize how much I wanted to be a musician and a songwriter for a living. My family is very musical. They're all in classical music. Um, some of them professionally, some of them just, uh, you know, as a hobby, but they're all really good at it and um, very dedicated to it. And so I was raised on classical music and music was a huge part of my life all through my childhood. And it took until I went to school really to discover anything that was contemporary. <laughs> like, oh, Yes, there's been music written post 1940. What is this? So, but I fell in love with it so much. And, and I was kind of obsessed with the songwriting process and who the songwriters were behind the songs I was hearing on the radio. So um, I did a lot of uh, experimenting with song lyrics. And, and when I was in university uh, at University of Toronto doing my classes in zoology, I was writing song lyrics across the corners of my notes everywhere. <laughs> and I just couldn't shut it off. But I don't, I didn't have the guts to go and chase it for a living until life kind of made it necessary or not necessary, but it gave me that possibility. Um, because when I graduated from my zoology degree, I was supposed to be going to work as a freshwater fish zoologist in Muskoka. And at the same time that spring, there was an election and uh, the department that I was going to be working for was shut down and everybody was out of their out of work and it was a sort of clean slate moment where I was able to ask myself what would I do if I could really follow my heart and the answer was write songs and I knew that Nashville was the place to do that um, the center of the songwriting universe so to speak so that was what took me here so you're you're a young girl from Muskoka and you worked hard to make this dream come true, working at an array of odd jobs from waiting tables to painting houses to saving up enough money to pursue your dream of this career as a professional songwriter and singer in Nashville, Tennessee. You actually drove a car to Nashville that you had to start by shorting it with a beer can. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, mechanic daughter, what can I say? <laughs> That's so cool. And you got yourself there. What was that like when you first arrived like this, young, you know, Canadian girl from a small town from this classical, you know, family musical background. And now you're in like the music capital of the world. What was that like when you first arrived there? So terrifying. Um, but I also luckily had a friend here. Uh, I went to school with a fellow country artist named Derek Rattan. He and I went to high school together. And so he gave me a place to crash when I first moved to town. And luckily, he'd been here about a year longer, a year before I arrived. He sort of showed me the ropes. And I very quickly just absolutely fell in love with the city and the fact that there are songwriters everywhere you turn it keeps you striving to write the the next better song and you have a chance to go out any night of the week when it's not covid you have a chance to go out any <laughs> night of the week exactly. and, and um, go to hear songwriters perform their songs in just venues all over the place and it's 
completely inspiring and I'm hooked on it. I'm still hooked on it over 20 years later. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You, you totally made the right move. Would you have ever believed as a young girl from Muskoka that you would grow up to be named the Canadian Country Music Association 2010 Female Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year? Like, did you have any idea when you first arrived what was all going to transpire? No, absolutely not. I mean, the biggest aspiration that I had was to learn how to write songs the way that my heroes wrote songs in a way that just reaches out and and touches you and moves you. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to learn how to do that. And I really never had a plan to be an artist, a, a performer. That all kind of came along with the package because I was writing songs and a lot of the songs that meant the most to me were not being picked up by other singers. So I was like, well, if these are going to find their way out into the world, I guess I'll have to be the one that puts them out there. So that was where my artist career came from. Wow. So smart. That was so smart and so great for us, the public, because we we uh, we love that. <laughs> we get to hear you sing too. You found your success as a songwriter also for other artists you fell in love and got married but the marriage ended and you wrote songs to help heal your broken heart can you tell us about that time and why are the best songs always written when you're in love and you've had heartbreak it's or so you love true. someone and it's they don't like, love you back there's something about heartache and heartbreak that just makes song lyrics come out of you everywhere and everywhere you look there's inspiration for song lyrics and um i think just because there's you know you need somewhere to put all that angst and, and art is a great place to put it. But yeah, I very much crashed and burned spectacularly in the love department early on when I moved to Nashville. So it, it inspired a lot of songs on my first record. And, um, and it was kind of a, it was part of the growth process for me going through that because I very much isolated myself in my relationship. My, hu- my ex-husband was in also in the creative community in Nashville and he represented my songs. So I'd kind of write and then give them to him and he would take them out into the world. And so it gave me an excuse to just not go anywhere and shut myself in and write my songs, never collaborate, never network, all of that stuff that is so important to do. And so I learned when that crashed and burned that I needed to be my own advocate and I needed to get out of my comfort zone and start doing things that were less comfortable. And that was the point when I started to collaborate with other writers and to started performing my own material. And that was sort of what led me to my artist career. That's so great. You you also have had, so you had this heartbreak and you've also encountered your fair bit of tragedy, including the passing away of your mom who lost her battle with mental illness and I'm so sorry about your mom, Victoria. Thank you. Right after her funeral, you toured coast to coast. Did singing and playing music help you heal or was that very difficult to do? I have to say at first it was extremely difficult. The timing of that, it was so traumatic and so unexpected and sudden. And it was days before my first tour started. And it was days before the country music awards where I was nominated for so many awards. And it, I was sort of in this situation where I was thinking, well, do I, do I quit before I even started? Like, what do I do? How do I handle this? And with the blessing and support of my family, I made myself go and do it. It was really hard. Like, so a hundred yeah. people was my maximum audience. And then a week later, I'm walking out in front of 8,000 people opening for Johnny Reed and it's just uh. me and my guitar. And this is, you know, 
three or four days after my mom had passed away. So I felt like I was walking out on the stage with no skin on my body. You know, Mm -hmm. like I felt like I had no protection. And there's something about that when you are in that situation where you're either going to crash and burn spectacularly or it's going to be beautiful. And you're going to fly. Yeah, You're going to fly. And, and somehow I flew and I don't know how um, I attribute a lot of that to her help from wherever she is, but it was, um, it was a beautiful experience to do it. Then it was time to get back in the songwriting room for the first time since her, her death. And that was a very difficult step to take too, because as a songwriter, you have to share your truth you have to share what you're going through. But I didn't want to write a song that nobody wanted to hear. And so I didn't know how I was going to say what I needed to say. And at that time, I was writing with one of my dear friends, Tia Sillers, who wrote the song, I Hope You Dance. And Mm. together, we wrote one of my favorite songs um, that I've ever written and recorded it's it's on my indigo album which is my third album and it's called get on the train so it was the very first song we wrote together and i just had this idea in my head get on the train get on the train and i don't know what it means but it just says get on the train over and over again wow you're looking at me and saying i know exactly what you're trying to say you're trying to say that when you want to lie down and let the train run over you you need to get up and get on the train and keep going Mm. that's what a great collaborator does. They reach inside you and pull out the thing you're trying to say and hold it up to you. And they go, is this what you're saying? So, um, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's really unbelievable. Was this around the time of Victoria that you were touring with Reba McIntyre and you sang the duet, uh, does he love you with her? Yes. So that was, a, um, a little bit later than that. That was, yeah, 2011. I got a chance to sing that with her. That was amazing. The whole, I did two, oh. two Canadian tours with Reba and she's just the classiest lady and absolutely wonderful and very inclusive of everybody that she works with. Yeah, she invited me to get up and sing the duet with her. And I got to, oh. I got to be the Linda Davis on stage. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's so amazing. Oh my gosh. You've also done a very cool thing. You have a podcast with urban pop and singer songwriter Sarah DeFores called The Table. And it's a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry that provides a fun, easygoing and safe space to discuss the ups and downs of the female experiences in entertainment. What inspired you to create this podcast, The Table with Sarah DeFore? Well, Sarah and I wanted to have a dialogue, a public dialogue about the the differences in journey between men and women in the entertainment industry. And of course, you know, I have my own experiences coming from country music where it's particularly skewed in one direction where purposefully radio is programmed to be 90% male artists and only 10% females. And all of that trickles down into my experience as a songwriter, as a female songwriter over the past 23 years working inside the industry in Nashville. It's been extremely difficult to have success, extremely difficult to keep food on the table. And I think that, you know, it's kind of an old boy system here. And the way that 
we can change that is to bring awareness to it. So that's what we've been doing with this. And we wanted to also make it wider than just country music and wider than just music. So we'll also be interviewing uh, some some actors, some artists, uh, things like that com- coming up in future seasons. But season one focuses definitely on on the music business. That's so cool. You, you've been a singer. You still are a singer. You're a singer songwriter. You're a podcaster now and so much more. And, and, and we're going to get to some of the, the so much more, but what is your favorite hat to wear? And I know you also love hats. Oh, <laughs> oh my favorite hat. Well, I love all of it, but I'd have to say that the, where my heart is the most is right back in the origin of it all, which is the songwriting process. The magic of pulling an idea out of the thin air and making it into something beautiful and doing that in collaboration with someone else. There's nothing like that. And I always like to say, if, if anyone has a doubt whether God exists, then try writing a song and you'll feel (laughs) it. You know, it's just very connected to a source that feels like it's not me. And I love that. It's a spiritual experience for me. And so I think, you know, the reason I've been able to continue doing it for as long as I have uh, through all of the ups and downs of the industry and the frustrations in it uh, is because I'm doing it for that reason that I love the process. And so anything else that comes of it is just gravy, any awards, any, you know, radio play, any records that come out, it's gravy because I just love writing the song so much. That's so great. I mean, that's exactly what this show's all about. Victoria's finding your bliss. And it just, it feels like you so have, you know, found it and are following it. And what a great inspiration you are to so many other people who maybe haven't or still are, you know, yearning for that. You've been labeled as one of the best songwriters, as I mentioned in the business by Music Row, which Sarah DeForest said is the quintessential publication and a very big deal in Nashville. How did you feel when you first saw that in print? (laughs) couldn't believe it. I was like, Ooh, was this a mistake? Like, did, did they miss, <laughs> was it supposed to be someone else's name? I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely took a picture of that and I will milk it until the day that I die. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I also love your process and you work as a coach songwriter at these writer retreats. What happens exactly at a writer's retreat? There are a lot of people there who are aspiring songwriters who are who want to learn how to do it or want to learn how to do it better. I'll teach about the process of writing a great song lyric, what the tricks are to it, the process of um, overcoming writer's block, which is always such a struggle for people when they're when they're starting out and sometimes throughout their career. Sometimes we'll even write songs together and I'll walk them through the process while we're doing it. Um, mm. so I, I love that. What's one of your tips for uh, eradicating writer's block? The main one for me is to recognize that you are not responsible for being the source of your material. You're only responsible for listening for your material. The source is somewhere else and you're the conduit. So that takes the pressure off you. And all you have to do is focus on being the best conduit that you can be. And part of that is being very gentle with yourself, treating yourself like the little child creative. Would you ever scream at a child and say, you're stupid. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do it right. And yet we talk to ourselves that way. So think about how you're talking to yourself. What's your internal dialogue like? Try speaking to yourself more constructively, more gently. Ask yourself what you need. Give yourself what you need. Um, Things like that. 
You, you're amazing. You, you also have a heart, Victoria, for teaching. And I, this, I just loved when I read this about you. You teach workshops and you sing for children with special needs and, and, and for kids completely of your own volition. You do this with some of your songs that haven't been on the radio yet. You just constantly give back to your community with this music from your heart. Can you tell us a little bit about your love of teaching? I think that it all comes from just a desire to connect with other human beings. And that's what the songwriting process is about. You're reaching around inside your own experience to find a nugget that you want to write about. And then you're trying to find the moral of the story or what lesson you can take from that nugget to put into the song. And then you're trying to share that with people in hopes that they will feel it too. And it will help them maybe see what they're going through in a new or different way or feel motivated or inspired or empowered. And for me, teaching is a wonderful way of doing that where I can get out and, and share those things with people and be face to face with them, feel the connection and have them talk back to me about what they're feeling. So I love to, I love to share, to share my songs that way. That's so incredible. I understand why Shane McAnally said you were the real deal when you were, and I saw that clip when you were a part of the NBC's Songland TV show for the Florida Georgia Line episode. What was that like when he said that? Oh, I loved that. Well, Shane is a tremendous songwriter and it was really cool to to work with all of them. So yeah, there that was another moment I was like, I'm holding on to this one. <laughs> like, like, I'll keep it in my little bucket of things that make me feel good when I'm having a hard day. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Victoria, you have a new album called Uncovered, which was just released in May. And you have a fantastic new song called Want. Can you set up this song for us? So Want is inspired by a phrase that I started singing to myself in the car. And I didn't know what it was, but it was this really tumbly kind of phrase about you want, you want the things you don't need, you need, you need the things you don't have. And it turned in this whole circle and came back to want again. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, but I have no idea what it is. Again, I needed my collaborators to show me. <laughs> so when I got in the room with Emily Shackleton and Joe Ginsburg, I shared that little piece with them. And I said, is this a song? I don't know what it is. And they said, yes, yes, that's a chorus. Let's write it. So we ended up writing it and then I ended up recording it on my record and I was really proud of this record because for the first time I played every instrument and engineered the whole record myself. So I had no business doing that, but I did it anyway because it was scary and I wanted to do it. So that, yeah. oh, that is so awesome. Let's have a listen to Want by Victoria Banks. You were in my arms, you were in my hands. Somehow I let you slip through just like grains of sand You gave me your whole heart, I only gave you half Don't know why I guess I was looking for that greener grass Cause you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them Yeah, you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need things you don't have and you have and you have the things you don't want till you lose them till you lose them turns me inside out since you've been gone nothing shines as bright as a diamond you can't put on now i miss your touch and i crave your kiss 
And it kills me, but I know that's just the way it is Cause you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Till you lose them, till you lose them Yeah, you want and you want the things you don't need And you need and you need the things you don't have And you have and you have the things you don't want Victoria, that was so great. I love that song. Oh my God. I'm going to have a new favorite. I just love that. What is bliss for Victoria Banks? Bliss for me is being so absorbed in what you're doing that it's like you forget that you even exist. Mm. And that's what songwriting is for me. I just got the chills. I just got the goosies, as J-Lo would say. Wow. <laughs> that's so. That's what it's all about, what you just said. When the time elapses and you don't even know that five hours has gone by because yeah. you're doing something you love so much. How yeah. great is that? Wow. Really, really fantastic. Victoria Banks, how can people contact you and or book you for an event or just follow you on social media? Uh, you can look me up at victoriabanks.net. That's my website. And on there, you'll see links to all my social media. And that's, that's me on running all the social media. (laughs) So you can reach out and and email me through the website or through any of the socials. And I will read it. I'll reach it back out to you. So I love communicating with people if they choose to reach out. That's so fantastic. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Really, this has been honestly a thrill um, because I know your music and and I'm just so happy for your success and and you're just truly a bliss person on the planet. So thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. This was great talking to you. You too. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. 
Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. I am so delighted to introduce you to Margot McKinnon. Her goal is the same today as when she first opened her body, harmonics, Pilates, and movement studio in Toronto back in 1998 to help people transform their lives through movement. Today, Margot McKinnon, in addition to owning and operating two studios and health clinics in Toronto, she oversees the company's growing on-demand streaming video platform and education division, which offers teacher training programs and continuing education courses worldwide. Margot shares her knowledge and experience through her vast library of videos and technical manuals, which are available at BH, which stands for Body Harmonics, ondemand.com. She is also the creator of a free weekly exercise video series called Mondays with Margot, which is available on the Body Harmonics Instagram channel. And she's also the publisher of Body Harmonics Shop Talk, a blog for movement professionals and enthusiasts, which can be found at bodyharmonics.com. In addition to being a Pilates Method Alliance certified teacher, Margo also holds a bachelor and a master's of education degrees from the University of Toronto and a BA from McGill University. Margot credits her team of more than 55 teachers, clinicians, and administrators for helping her to realize her vision for body harmonics and to continue doing what she loves best, teaching and learning from her clients. You can learn more about body harmonics at bodyharmonics.com. Margot, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I have to say, it's so great to have you here. And what's so fascinating about technology, and I'll just share this with the listeners, is just about an hour and a half ago, maybe two hours, Margot was in my backyard offering the most beautiful Pilates class for myself my daughter Lily and my niece Adina, and it was just absolutely, be- absolutely beautiful. And what I forgot about Pilates was how incredibly restorative and relaxing it was. And as I mentioned to you during the class, it just felt like my whole nervous system just unwound, relaxed, and calmed down. And it was honestly, and I'm not just saying this because of the name of the show, it was just incredible. So. Margo, I did take classes with you years ago, and I think we're we're back to being believers. What is Pilates exactly for those of our listeners who don't know? Big question. And of course, it depends on what uh, your uh, needs and goals are. But in a nutshell, uh, the way I describe it to most people is as a system of movement and exercises that targets the body in a way that you're building it from the inside outward. And what that means is all at the same time, simultaneously, you're working with the nervous system, so the brain-to-body, mind-to-body connection. 
you're working with the the bones and the joints to make sure that your skeleton is moving optimally because when when we can move the way we're designed to move it feels easy it feels good and after the fact you feel relaxed and restored those are great words and i love love hearing you say that because that is at this point in my career that is always what i'm hoping for people in addition to the nervous system, the skeleton, there's also all of our muscles. We've got <laughs> over 600 <laughs> muscles that we're working with. And in traditional ways of moving or physical activities, we often think of the body as a bunch of moving parts that work individually. But what the real current trend in um, research and application of movement is uh, we look more at the body as a whole system and how all of the body is working at once. Now, that's way too much to throw at the lay person, but as practitioners and teachers and educators, that's really the perspective we're coming from. It's how the message goes in. That's the nervous system. It's the movement, which really happens at the joints and then it's the engine that moves us, which is the muscles, right? They are the workhorses that move us. And there's one other system some, some of your listeners may be aware of. It's the fascial system. And that is a system that envelops our entire body. It's everywhere in the body. And that system kind of is, a, is a, you can think of it as kind of a connector, like the, like the nervous system. That's so great. What is briefly the history of Pilates and what should people look for in a teacher? And then I'll tell you what I love about you and a teacher, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say first. Well, the history of Pilates, you know, Joseph Pilates was the mastermind of this methodology. What a creative genius, you know, there's not a lot written down about him. But what he devised in terms of uh, apparatus to work with, sequences of movements to um, go through with a person or a group of people were brilliant. And I, I, there's a quote of his that I just absolutely love. And that is, you are only as healthy, you're only as young as your spine is healthy. Mm. Starting with the spine is a really smart move. (laughs) But he was doing all this work through these decades and he worked with the uh, dance community. Um, He really, really wanted um, recognition uh, from the medical community because he was able to do such miraculous things with people post-surgery, post-trauma, post-injury. But he never... He never quite got to that point in his career. And those of us that have followed in his footsteps and have benefited from his incredible legacy have had the privilege of all kinds of research that's been done uh, looking at the body as a moving system and looking at how, how even the smallest thing, like just kind of you know, tilting your hips around a little bit, how that can have a massive effect through the whole body. What I notice about you and as a teacher, and that is you are incredibly calm. You also have a way of painting pictures with words and making your sentences so evocative that you can actually see 
the images that you need to see. Like you, it, it's amazing the way you describe things in a way that one can immediately connect to. And your voice is fantastic. You have a lovely timbre and tone to your voice that makes it very easy to listen to. Thank you. I take that as a huge compliment. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, again, I think it takes some time as a teacher to develop the skill of being able to work with someone at, 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 any, at any stage uh, where they are at a, as a mover. Some people are very experienced, some are very inexperienced. Many people, and I think it's it's so sad to hear this, actually, they feel like they aren't really very good at moving. And we all have that inside us. It just needs to be coaxed out, you know, in the way (laughs) that works for that individual. So I think that that is something when you're looking for a teacher, you know, don't give up if you don't, you know, particularly like the first or second or third one, there's someone out there for you. You know, what's so interesting is I think a lot of people think Pilates is reformers and machines. What was so lovely and simple about today and having the class with you was we were literally just on yoga mats. Mm -hmm. So people truly can do this at home. And it's amazing that you are offering, and I know we're going to talk more about it at length, but you're offering Zoom classes as well as reintroducing classes in your actual studio. How do the Zoom classes work exactly? You know, it's so interesting. I I have to say a silver lining of this last moment in history that we've all been sharing is to see how this translates online. But online, this incredible thing has happened and Mm -hmm. people are writing to us almost daily about how this has affected their um, headspace. And a lot of it comes from being able to concentrate in a quiet space. The screen may not be people's favorite way of doing this, but believe me, it is incredible how well it works. I would also think, Margot, that it must be good for you as the teacher to be able to actually see somebody doing the movements. You might even have a better way of seeing them online. You know what is so incredible about that comment? How often people have said to you know, us as teachers, can you really see that? I, I can't. <laughs> see, there's so many silver linings. Can you explain, Margot, what the benefits are of a movement science approach when it comes to Pilates exercise? First thing I'm going to say, <laughs> I don't think it sounds very sexy, but I can tell you it works. Hmm. And one of my big pet peeves with the whole fitness and health industry is how uh, simplistic the message is. And I know simple is always good. Simple is good because it's easy to grasp. Hmm. But I think what people need to understand is that our bodies are complex. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> are really co- incredible machines. And when you look at building a body so it really works for you over time and keeps you upright and keeps you doing the things you want to do, it doesn't have to be onerous, but you need to know that it's not something that happens in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's not something that it needs to be something more like you like like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be something that becomes more of a lifestyle choice. What I love about this work, and this is one of the things when I started out, my major goal was to reach people who don't like moving and was really to, to be able to provide 
and serve people for whom the exercise industry you know, had left them behind and make it accessible and enjoyable and done in a way that would be something that they'd be willing to try again. It's all about sensing and feeling in order to reap the most benefits. Can you mm-hmm. speak to that? I love that part of it. And uh, I have to credit some of my um, personal practice years ago. I did a lot of uh, Feldenkrais. And when it comes to sensing and feeling, yeah, we're not taught to do that when we exercise. We are taught to count and we are taught to create some external goal that's quantifiable. And there is great value to that. It's motivating. But the other piece of it, which makes it, I think, um, easier to adhere to some kind of program is when you actually tap in to what it feels like for you. Because very often when we're counting or paying attention to being able to do something that's external to us, we may move and exercise in ways that end up hurting. And we don't connect to that until it's a little too late. So it's really important to pay attention because there are sensations that are more accurate than others and are more beneficial for you. And so when you work with a teacher that can bring that to life, it doesn't matter whether you're feeling the right thing or not. It's about making adjustments so that it actually works for you so that you do feel the right. Right, right. That's so true. You know, um, we've all, it's funny, even on this program, we, we have focused a lot on yoga and meditation just ways to create calm and mindfulness. And I really did forget how Pilates really is a way to create incredible calm in the body and mind. And I would say maybe 90% of the feedback we get from our clients, our wonderful, incredible clients, focuses on exactly that. I feel calm. after You really helped me center myself. I was having a crazy day and I, I can't believe now how I, I know I'm going to have a good sleep. It's not about the physical part of it. It's about the mental calm that um, occurs as you go through, you know, an hour, even a half an hour for some people is more than sufficient. We have part of our nervous system, when it's stimulated properly, it has a calming effect on the body. You don't have to think about it. And this is what I absolutely love about it is that you can just do some very simple motions with your spine. You can do some very simple breathing exercises. It's so simple. And even paying attention a little bit to how you're lying on the ground or sitting on a chair or standing on your feet. Those simple things, they help you have this calm sort of descend over you. Those that move regularly, I think, can attest to it, but maybe wouldn't say so much that it's it's a calming effect, but that's actually what's happening. And it's at a nervous system level. But when you really look at the core of the body, you can tap into it and, and work from almost anywhere, from the feet right up to mm-hmm. the eyes. So it means that you can be doing something, you can just be wiggling your toes, actually. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like your midriff is working. No, you don't feel like muscles are getting tired or that you're building something that feels stable. 
But because of the neurological connection, you can kind of check mark it in your head and go, right, this is part of building a strong core. Hmm. And when we talk about back pain, it's, uh, again, very often people work around the midriff to create stability, quote unquote, for the low back. But what the most current research shows is you really do need to look at the whole body because all the parts talk to each other. And it's actually not sufficient to just be working with, you know, abdominal muscles, back muscles, hip muscles. They're super important, but you actually want to be working with the whole head to toe. I know it's even more important to strengthen our bodies as we age. Mm -hmm. How does Pilates help us achieve that? One of the things that happens when we age, we give in to a very strong force called gravity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can end up a little bit bent over and you need to actually work on building strength as you get older because our bodies are designed to lose strength. When you do that, when you pay attention to how you're positioned, when the muscles pull in the direction they're supposed to, you actually create an effect on the bones as well, and you can have a positive effect on the bones. So you're getting um, a good effect for both the skeleton and the muscles. And you know, often people are given weight training to do as they get older, which is excellent. It absolutely builds strength, but sometimes at the expense of alignment, unless you have a lot of a lot of background in that kind of thing. And when you spend time with the positioning, it's almost like it just makes it that much more efficient. You talk about building your body, not breaking it. Can you debunk that whole no pain, no gain myth? Uh, working through pain doesn't solve anything. In fact, it makes things worse. And that is why sensing and feeling is so important. Because if you are told here, this exercise is really great to do for your low back and you're doing it diligently and Mm -hmm. you're told to do 20 repetitions of this three times a day or whatever it is, and you're doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and your back is getting no better, Mm -hmm. it's not the right thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Point. But if we're not taught to pay attention to what it feels like, we would never know. I remember um, working with a woman with back issues. She'd been doing a, the same protocol, which is a great protocol, but it didn't work for her. It hadn't served her. Her back was no better after 10 years. Hmm. Just because the way she was, she didn't know what she was supposed to be feeling for. And sure. as soon as we tweaked that, things started to change. So it's, that is, I can't underscore enough how important, you know, especially those of you out there that are um, regular movers right now, really pay attention because your body will not lie. (laughs) It's telling you, we just don't pay attention (laughs) to what it's telling us some of the time. Exactly. And sometimes, as you say, the tweak is so slight and so, so minor. You almost, it's almost imperceptible, but it can make a world of difference. Margo, what distinguishes body harmonics from all the other Pilates studios in town? We've been around a long time and we've never wavered from what our vision or mission uh, has always been, which has been to help people move for life. 
we think of it as a really big responsibility of ours to meet people where they are at, wherever that is on the continuum. So you might have an athlete, you might have someone straight out of knee surgery, you might have someone who had a baby seven years ago and never regained a sense of vitality. Everyone comes with different needs. I, I wanted to mention one other group that you didn't mention, and that's pregnant women. I was very pregnant with my daughter when I took Pilates with you. And I think sometimes I might have snoozed off and on because it's so relaxing. And I was very yeah, pregnant. That's a great example because I could have said, you know, hey, Judy, buck up. Come on, we're doing this. But that's what you needed right yeah. then. So it's like, you're here. You're going to partake in whatever makes sense for you right now. I think we need a little more of that. And especially when it comes to movement and exercise, so few of us do it regularly. And I think it's because most people perceive it as being something they will hate. And boy, how much do we continue with stuff that we hate? Yeah, like those workouts that we don't like. And then there's something like this beautiful little jewel in, in, in the crown, this beautiful little gift that, that I just experienced today. There are many different ways to practice Pilates with body harmonics, especially now. And we talked about Zoom classes. On Zoom, we have uh, a group class option for people. And for the most part, those are people that have been with us in our studios already in the past. We've had some new people, certainly, but more of our um, loyal clientele that's been with us. Hmm. Uh, we have introductory uh, courses that go on for a few weeks just so people can get um, their foot wet and see how it works and, and make sure they feel comfortable in a group class setting. We have always done, I think this is one of the things that is different at Body Harmonics, uh, we've always uh, done a lot of work one-on-one -on -one with people. Mm -hmm. We run programming for people with neurological disorders, all kinds of orthopedic issues. Uh, we have a vestibular physiotherapist on staff, so dealing with balance issues. And... Um, and then, of course, all kinds of stuff for people that are fit and healthy. Mm -hmm. So one-on-one -on -one is another, another way that people uh, can work with us online. And we even now, in the last month or two, we've introduced uh, machine classes online as well. Wow. We've now opened our doors for however long that can be in the next little while. And so we'll be starting up classes again there. And people, right now, people are coming one-on-one. -on -one. That's fantastic. What is bliss for Margot McKinnon? Oh, my goodness. So many things. But I think in this context, what I often say to people, no, oh, I'm going to cry here. Um, <laughs> you know, I am more fascinated now than I was 22 years ago when I started. I think I'm so lucky to be able to say that. And I also, sorry, my voice is breaking here, but when I see someone, you know, how, oh, sorry, I think I should start again. <laughs> sorry. No, that's okay. That's okay. And you know what's so lovely is that you're so emotional about it, which really, which really shows how passionate you are and how really this is your calling. Because when you have that kind of a reaction, it really demonstrates and reveals how this is so meant for you and that you are so in service to make the world a better place using this wonderful work that you are such a beautiful expert in. And the fact that your voice caught just shows how incredibly connected you really are to all of this. Yeah. yeah and I think when I see people 
make whatever the breakthrough is, you know, it can be the smallest thing. But for me, it's so huge because I know that they're on their way to actually feeling more empowered. And I think that word sometimes gets overused. But when we feel like we have a bit more control and management over our physical selves and that we have tools in our toolbox and strategies, and we know that we don't need to worry about something that might flare up or feel bad, we have things that we can do. Um, This to me is, it's like people have arrived. And I worked with someone earlier this morning and I said to her, you know, next time I think you should teach me the things you've just told me about what you've discovered over the week. That is it. Because Actually having people get to the point, obviously we'd love them to come forever, but where they feel like they can actually do it themselves, that's actually the ultimate goal for me. Oh, that's just so beautiful. Margo, how can people get in touch with you to book your classes or to follow you on social media and all the above? Well, simple, simple, just at bodyharmonics.com is our website. And there uh, is an email there that you can get in touch with. We've been doing that through the pandemic because uh, we didn't have anyone in our physical spaces. And the phone number is there as well. You can phone us, you can email us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. But I think the best is probably um, just emailing. We like to get on the phone with you right away to have a chance to talk with you and figure out if we can actually be of service to you and make this work for you. And that way, um, we make it meaningful for you and, and worth your time. Well, that I know it is. It is always meaningful with you and you're just terrific. I want to thank you, Marco, so much for joining us today on Finding Your Bliss. It really was blissful to have you here. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio. And I would like to thank my guests, Victoria Banks and Margot McKinnon, for being here today. Also, a big thank you to our crew and our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take some time for self-care and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.